All right, thanks, Miss Kamala. Where are these kids come from? It's amazing, right? I'll tell you what, we, when you read God's word and you read uh, the gospels, there's lots of things that Jesus tells us to do. We're going to be uh, looking at something that Jesus tells us to do in our message. He also told us how we should act with kids during a service. Because in the gospels, what happened was he was preaching and kids began to come up to him and get on his lap and crazy. And his disciples tried to grab the kids and send them to the back. And he rebuked not the kids, but the disciples, and says that the kingdom of God doesn't belong to you, it belongs to them. And I'll tell you what, as long as I'm the pastor here, if you have a kiddo who's being a little loud or anything else, nobody here will mean mug you. You know what I mean? Because we do that. If you hear a kid and you're being a little bit distracted from everything else, do me a favor, spend time and look at the kiddo and pray for them. Every single time I hear some other kid in single here, I just say, God, I pray that you bless that person. Because we're a family church. The kingdom of God belongs to them. We need to become more like them. Amen? Anyway, super excited. Well, we are on a series called Kingdom, where what we are doing, we are looking at the kingdom of God. Jesus, when he was on earth, he spoke more about the kingdom of God than anything else. And our mission statement here at church is to advance God's kingdom, first in ourselves, then our families, communities, and then the world. We heard a lot about with Kurt and Kama. How great is it that we are partnered with people around the world that are doing amazing things. Even in the tragedy of Texas and what's going on, people who are literally don't have water going to parks trying to fill up water to be able to survive, our denomination, who we support, we, just, we support as a church, Foursquare Disaster Relief, was able to give water to churches to be able to pass out. You can imagine if you're in a community and you can't find water if the church down the street is giving you what you need to survive those relationships that are being built. So that's what we believe as a church, that we advance God's kingdom. Well, as we are coming to a close in this series, I really began to think, what is a way that we can talk about the kingdom of God? What is a way that it can really impact us more so than just on a Sunday? You will hear, if you come to New Life, us talk about kingdom. Our mission statement is, is that way. We will say it every single week. But I also believe that we can't just talk about God's kingdom one day a week. We need to incorporate it throughout the rest of our week. I remember I played sports in high school. I played football and wrestling. And something that my coaches told me, and I'm sure if you played uh, sports, you probably heard this phrase before, it's that we have to practice like you play, and then once you do that, you will play like you practice. Meaning that you can't go half speed during practice. If you want to actually play like you practice, you need to practice, or you need to practice like you play in order to uh, play like you practice. So you need to have the same level of intensity in practice, and then it'll translate over to the court. We can't go half speed here and expect for it to be full speed. So thinking about that in the kingdom of God, we can't just talk about it here. We have to incorporate that into our lives. And so I was like, how do we do that? And luckily, as I said, Jesus has given us a great example of how we can incorporate thinking and realigning ourselves to God's kingdom every single day. He gave his disciples a perfect thing that you should do every single day in our prayer time. And we're going to look at a passage of scripture called the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. Last week, we talked about the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes, the very beginning. Well, a couple of chapters later, in this same sermon, he teaches his disciples how to pray. 
What I love about this prayer is we're going to look into, it gives us the picture of what kingdom life should look like. He specifically says the word kingdom in there. But also, as you go through, and as I begin to study this, it's like this is exactly, it's almost Jesus took the main parts of his message that he preached on earth and put them all together in a short, beautiful, deep prayer. I intended to have this sermon be only one week. After getting through it, I was like, there's no way in 15 minutes, and then discuss, go through the whole thing. So we're going to go for the first half today, and then go to the second half. Before we begin, though, I'd like to just read it together. Matthew 6, 9 through 13, we'll have it up here on the board. And then if we can just, when it comes here to the uh, prayer, if we can just pr do this all together. So Jesus is going to his disciples and says, this then is how you should pray. So say it along with me right here. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know this prayer, it's called the Lord's Prayer. Um, I'll be honest with you, I don't think it's a very good name for it. <laughs> uh, it's called that because Jesus is our Lord and he prays it. I think what we should actually call it is the Disciples' Prayer. Because this prayer was meant to be prayed by us, his disciples. This is what we should be doing. Jesus tells us exactly how we should pray. Be honest here. Raise your hand if at any time, just the concept of praying is a little bit difficult to do, right? If only Jesus gave us an example of what we can do right here in Matthew 6. You know, in our tradition, we uh, don't pray this prayer every single service we get together. Some do. Some traditions, they get and they recite this prayer every single time they get together. And they encourage you to cite these specific words every single time you go um, and meet and pray. In our tradition, more of a Pentecostal tradition, that's not something we typically do. We, um, I'll tell you what, I spend time in prayer. While I know these, uh, this passage, I don't necessarily recite it during my prayer times. Uh, I'll be honest with you. After studying this and looking at it, uh, I'll cut to the chase. I'm going to change the way that I pray. And I've started changing the way that I pray. Because looking at the way that Jesus asks us to pray and looking about how we need to pray the kingdom aspects in our lives, there's importance in it. I don't believe that uh, at least in my prayer times, that, that there's necessarily specific power in these exact words, right? He didn't, I, he didn't really say, oh, well, you need to pray this exact thing. But there's power in praying like Jesus prayed. Let me ask you another question. Um, I was uh, just looking about the concept of prayer, and I came across a little essay by someone by the name of Anne Lamott, who has written some prayer books. She said something that really resonated with me. She says, it seems like in my life I only pray three prayers. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Help me, help me, help me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> and as I begin to think about that, it's like, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Help me, help me, help me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Thank you for what you've done, right? Help me. Like, I'm in trouble here. <laughs> Somebody's doing something I don't like, or well, maybe I did something I don't like. 
You know, and I'm really sorry. I done messed up, God. Please forgive me. And it's funny how in our prayer life, so much of the time, in the times that we do pray, it's reactive. So what I mean by that is something happens, and then I react to it and then pray. Hasn't that been our experience, too, with prayer a lot of times? And there is times we need to do that. But what I love about the Lord's Prayer, as we just read, it's proactive. This is how you pray. You pray for something. It's just a great muscle that I think we should work out. I know that I'm guilty of that as well. And I'm trying to be much more proactive in my personal prayer life. So let me go ahead and just start through it. We're just, there's no other way to do it. Like I said, I split this into two weeks. So we're going to focus on 9 and 10 this week. And then we're going to get, and during our discussion and table time, we're going to have some questions where we're going to kind of wrestle through some of this stuff. But there's no other way to start than to start and go through the different uh, stuff. There's, I think, three different sections of this prayer. We're going to look at the first two sections. The first is the introduction, and then the next are the prayers that are focused to God. So the first part is our Father in heaven, kind of the introduction. He starts by just simply saying who we're praying to. It can be something very quick to pass over this. But what I find fascinating here is that first term, our Father in heaven. You see, for Jesus, it's important for us when we pray, we know who we're praying to. And who do we pray to? Our Father. Jesus used that terminology, Father, quite a bit, talking about his Father. But remember, whose prayer is this? Is this for him or is this for us? For us. For Jesus, it's very important that we realize that the person we pray to is our Father. You have to remember this culture and the Jewish culture, when you read the Old Testament, there was a holiness ascribed to Yahweh, but there was also a distance that would happen. Those who were Gentiles couldn't go into the inner courts and worship. Those, even if you were Jewish, you couldn't go to the innermost sanctum. It was only reserved for a select few. It was very formal. Well, Jesus wants us to know that when we pray, he's our father. He's not some distant landlord, right? Some, oh, I live in his house, never met the guy, sent him a check every month. He's not some distant person. He's close with us. He's our father. He's who gives us examples, and there's a close relationship. When we pray, it's difficult to think about that aspect, that sometimes we think we're praying to someone too far away, and Jesus is like, no, orient ourselves, our father in heaven is who we pray to. And then he, we get to this next phrase, hallowed be your name. Kamala mentioned something during our kids' time about Judah, what Judah means. Does anybody know? I, I've had this thing memorized probably for about 30 years. Does anyone know what hallowed be your name actually means? Anyone know? Yeah. Holy, it's holy, right? So you get the concept of holiness. But it's kind of like, why would Jesus ask us to pray this? Like, I, it, it's kind of not fair because I, one thing I love about preaching is it makes me seem so much smarter than I actually am. Because all of the questions I ask, I know the answers to because, you know, I did all the research. But I'll be honest with you, this was a phrase that while I prayed before, I, I don't know if I fully grasped it. You're right. You guys said that. You said, what does this phrase mean? You have these two different words that are in Greek that actually help us quite a bit to tell us what Jesus is wanting us to do here. First is hallowed, meaning holy. 
it's a term that simply means to set apart. And the uh, New Living Translation, a different translation, uh, translates this. May your name be kept holy. So again, let's ask the question, why is Jesus asking us to pray that God's name would be kept holy? Will his, whole, will, his, will his name become less holy slowly unless we kind of pray and get it back up again? You know what I mean? Almost kind of like, we got we to gotta charge it. It's running out of batteries. Quick, let's pray so God can become more holy. No. See, I think the key to really understanding this verse is in that word name. Name in Greek is similar to the way we use name, but also name means reputation. We use this language a little bit more in the past. It's a little bit more antiquated now, but if you've seen movies and stuff where you have like the really, you know, rich family, and then all of a sudden their son or daughter will want to marry from like a poor family, and you ask the question, you're like, well, what's their family name, right? When they ask that question, they mean, what is their reputation? What are they known for? What's the scuttlebutt about them? So when you think of it in that term, Jesus is asking us, that God's reputation, his name, what he is known for would be one who is holy. In the JIV version, the John International Version, if I were to retranslate this, it's may people view you, your name, your reputation, as you truly are, which is holy, sanctified, and set apart. I'll tell you what, after wrestling through this passage, I think if you're going to pick out only one thing from this to pray nowadays with our society the way it is now, it's that, hallowed be your name. It's praying that the world, that his reputation, he is holy. We don't need to pray that he becomes more holy, but that people realize his reputation and realize how holy he actually is. Let me ask you the question. How many of you have had an experience with God and you believe that he is king and savior in your life and he is a good God? Raise your hand if you believe that. If, it's, if you don't believe that, don't raise your hand. Because I'll tell you what, there have been times in my life where I've struggled with that concept. But does everyone around the world, do they have the same viewpoint as you do? No. Apparently for Jesus, it's important that we pray that they do. We now get to the next phrase here. Your kingdom come. Everyone say kingdom. I'll tell you, as I've been studying this thing, kingdom, and I've been reading the Gospels, it's like, this is everywhere. <laughs> like, it's just everywhere. He's asking us to pray that God's kingdom comes. I use the example for us at New Life, our mission statement, to advance God's kingdom, ourselves, families, community, and the world. It's a different way of praying this very same thing. As we pray... We need to pray that God's kingdom, meaning his rule or reign, comes down. Is, and this, this entire concept of Jesus asking that is steeped in the question of now and not yet. That was the very first thing we talked about almost a month ago. That God's kingdom, his rule, is here now, but there's also an element where it isn't fully here yet. Right? It's here now, we have it now, but yet we're looking forward to something down the road. And so we're kind of in this weird, awkward spot where we're like, well, it's here, but not really. So I don't know what to do with my hands. I guess we just, we're kind of just living our life. This phrase here is steeped in that concept. 
Because is God's rule and reign here on this earth? Absolutely. Is it everywhere, though? No. There are places of this world, there are people in this world whose God's rule and reign has not impacted their hearts. For Jesus, we need to pray that it becomes that way. And think about it for you in our mission statement to advance God's kingdom in ourselves. Is God's rule or reign in your heart? Yeah, it is for me. Is it everywhere in there? Hmm. Are there parts in my heart, to be honest with you, that God's rule and reign and power haven't fully invaded yet? Sure. There are areas of there, man, where I'm stubborn. I'm still holding on, honestly. Here's the most difficult part of praying that prayer. Your kingdom come. Do you want to know the bad news? If you pray that prayer, then what you are also praying is that my kingdom has to go. Your kingdom come means another kingdom has got to get out. So lastly, we get to the very last thing here before we get and discuss this. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, for Jesus, it's important for us to pray God's will. Can I be honest with you? When I hear the term God's will, uh, the response that I get is not usually a positive response. Right? I think sometimes we shrink back from the term of God's will. I have like a Pavlovian response to the will of God, because usually when you hear it, it is in the context of maybe somebody who died prematurely and they're young, and it's like, well, I guess it was God's will that they died. Or maybe you're praying for someone to be healed, and they're not, and you're like, right now and not yet, the kingdom is here, but it's not quite yet. And you're like, well, I guess it's God's will that they suffer, and it takes on this kind of this, I don't know, this weird thing where like God's will is almost seen as like, well, that explains the bad parts of the world because it's just God's will. We equate it with the pain, the sorrow, and sickness and death. This is why I love this phrase, though, when talking about God's will. You ask yourself, what does God's will look like? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, God's will... When you pray that God's will happens, you are praying that what is going on up there in heaven, God's will comes here on earth. God's will in heaven. What does heaven look like? Wholeness. Restoration. No more sickness. No more death. You want to know, like, what's God's will? That's God's will right there in heaven. It's coming. Does it come as quick as I want a lot of times? No. Are there times that I pray for something and God doesn't give me what I want? Yeah. It's the now and the not yet. So for me, sometimes it's almost like growing up, you're almost pulled in different directions when you pray, right? You're like, should I pray that this person gets miraculously healed? Or on the alternative, should I pray that God's will be done? And it's almost like they're mutually exclusive. The answer is yes. You should pray because God's will is for wholeness. God's will is that heaven happens here on earth. They're not mutually exclusive. So pray that that person gets healed because that is God's will. And I'll tell you what, I believe it will happen. Will it happen now in this instant? Maybe. 
It'll happen eventually when we look forward to the future. So when we're praying God's will over something that's not a cop-out, it is not us not proclaiming the good news. When we pray God's will, it's recognizing there is something off on earth. Whatever is happening is happening that doesn't happen in heaven. And we want heaven to come down. And that is God's will that we're praying. God's will is for restoration and for heart and for lives to be brought. We know that it was God's will to send Jesus, his son, and crush him and to kill him for us. So we have the forgiveness of sins. Restoration is God's will. Fullness and wholeness is God's will. It'll happen. If you have your Bibles, you can flip to the very end in Revelation. It'll happen. It'll go there. But it doesn't always happen on our timeline, does it? So as we close, and we're about ready to discuss in our groups, if you're watching us online, we're going to have a Zoom info. We're going to have a Zoom meeting um, for those online so we can discuss this. We can also go around at our tables. Um, I want to talk about prayer. There's two different sections that we're going to talk about. The first one is just talking about prayer in general. Difficulties, what's really good, what's, you know, and how our prayer life is. And then the second part is something, an exercise that I'd like all, all of us to go through, which is basically to take this, this model, and use it in our own words. I gave some examples, but that will look differently for everyone. Because I'll tell you what, you may know somebody who is struggling right now with sickness. So when you pray God's will, you will pray that that person will be healed. You could put that person down, right? I'll tell you what, if you want to pray the kingdom come, a great way that you could pray is our mission statement. No one will, if you, want to, if you want to make me the happiest pastor ever, is pray the mission statement for our church every single day in your prayer time. So let's go ahead and do that and gather together. We're going to have about 10 minutes to go ahead and discuss. If you're at a table and you're with people that you know, or maybe it's just something, maybe get up and move to another table if there's people you're not there. Um, and so we can go ahead and discuss and go over all this together. So we got 10 minutes. I'll come together after 10 minutes and then share, and then we'll do this second part that we're going to look at here. So... Go do it. Online people, I will see you in three minutes. <laughs>